0: Welcome in. This is the Fezzik Focus Podcast on R.J. Bell's Dream Preview Network. I'm A.J. Hoffman. He is silencing his phone. Steve Fezzik, the only two-time Super Contest Champion. How are you, Steve?
1: I can't silence my phone. The bad phone is necessary during the podcast. Always working. Never not working. Never not working. Right. Always available.
0: Vibrate is your friend. See? There we go. God dang it. <laughs> Vibrate just... is your friend. Silent mode is now on. All right. We'll make it quick then. Uh, All right. Let's start the way. This is, by the way, week 14 of the NFL, if you can believe it. And we are going to start the way we always do with a Fez tail.
1: Yeah. So I want to go back to Baldini's up in Reno, Nevada. Go back to the mid-1990s because I do think it's illustrative. So back then it's, it's never been to Reno. Don't drive. Okay. Don't go through the, the gold something, gold spike, gold strike, gold whatever um, city. It's it's scary. Okay. Um, it's like something out of Deliverance, only instead of a river, it's a highway. So stay, stay away from those cities, and if you have to go, um, there, there's a military um, city by Walker Lake that's fine. Everything else, you're taking your life into your into um danger there okay uh but baldini's is on rock boulevard it's like i think it might be technically in sparks nevada in reno uh old school i went there like in the 1990s um i'm just kicking the tires you know seeing what's up there and i find out they have an independent sports book i don't even know this it's just called a baldini sports casino so i figure well they probably should have a sports book that is their own and it was at the time and it is again after being taken over for a while And I go in there and there's the lesson to be learned here is that if you can get a smaller operator sports book, it is very rare that that should not be a punching bag for you to beat up on. Because if it's just the economies of scale are such that, you know, interestingly, sometimes the very biggest places can can suffer because, hey, it's not my money. No one cares. All right. Like a big organization. And it's, but if it's a really small company, people just don't know what they're doing. So you've got, like, a Keno manager, you know, oftentimes running the book, And that was the case. Baldini's did not get the memo, unaware that parlay cards were beatable, would keep all the games on the board on the card, regardless of the line moves. Now, what would happen back in the 90s when I would play parlay cards, usually there was a grace period. It would take a while for a card to line up for the best plays to all win. And then you crush somebody playing you know, five, six, seven, eight teamers, even ten teamers. That wasn't the Baldines. Did not get a grace period. I went there twice. I clobbered them twice. I beat them out of like, like twenty thousand one weekend, like twenty eight thousand another week, something like that. And. Boom, they were done though. That was like that was what they made. Did you kill them for the year? I personally killed them. Oh, it was no. it wasn't any part of my team. I just went in there. They gave away free donuts. Uh they were really happy when I was slamming in cards the first week. They were a little concerned the second week. and then the third week, I was told there was no more parley card bets were to be made. and by the next spring, they were no longer a Baldini sportsbook. They were like a, um, Leroy's had taken them over because um, the literally that one week. I don't know if anyone else up there was playing it, but didn't matter. They that sportsbook was only making fifty thousand a year, and they just lost that. And why did they lose that? Because I'm playing Oregon State plus ten and a half on the line seven. You know, and you get the idea. Yeah. Yes. I mean, there's just um, when you're when you're playing a whole bunch of seventeen parlays that pay a hundred to one. And you're winning like fifteen percent <laughs> of them. You're uh, you're probably going to put them into deeply into the arrears. And and but the lesson is not so much um, how I did it, but just that if you're you know spread out throughout the country, if you've got access to a little tiny sports book, and someone some Indian reservation is running it, or some horse track is running it, and they're setting their own lines, uh, there's probably a way that you should be beating the heck out of that, especially. If they don't have any sharps at all, and so they're blissfully unaware that of how bad bookmaking can land them into all kinds of trouble. All
0: right, let's get into the the stuff that's going to help us beat the books that are still alive today. Let's 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 have Fez help us kill some more books. Let's do that. Let's start. Where should we start? Last Uh, night. You know what, yeah, let's start with last night's Thursday Night football game because we're recording this on Friday. Normally, we do Thursday, so we've got a little extra info. Uh, I know you weren't happy with last night's result. in hindsight, what what would you have done differently? what what is different now that you've seen the uh, the game?
1: I don't know if I did do anything differently. So I was on the Raiders. Um in hindsight, here's what I would have done. I went back to my games of the year that I bet during the summer. Mm -hmm. I was wrong. I said I bet the Raiders plus six in games of the year. I was incorrect. I had plus eight. I had (laughs) plus eight. I just cashed that ticket. I like – because station doesn't label your tickets. And I have one with a plus six and one with a plus eight, and I thought the plus six was the Rams game and the plus eight was the Kansas City game. It's the opposite. It's the – I've got the – had the Raiders plus eight. So it just goes to show these games of the year can be so powerful, and I do have a Raiders plus three from – I don't know when I bet that, um, for a game of the year back in October, um, you know, getting good numbers. But it didn't matter because, you know what, plus six, plus eight, minus six, the Raiders were the right side. I'm convinced of it. And the ball is shaped funny. And because of that, um, strange things happen. But ultimately, I think the one lesson is when you bet on a team like the Raiders, you're putting your hard-earned dollars at risk somewhat. So I guess this is the lesson. The one play cost the Raiders the game, in my opinion. And you know what the play was? Jumping off sides on the punt. The game is done so. Yep. It's 16-3. to three. The Rams are putting up the white flag. They're punting, all right? They're punting on fourth and less than five. They're saying, we're, we're, you know, it's not happening.
0: Yeah, we're, we're tapping out.
1: We're tapping out. And at this point, a player jumps off sides. He should be cut immediately. I don't care how good a player he is. Because, but this goes back to the special teams coach. The special teams coach should be fired immediately because he should tell his players, look, it, if you ever jump offside on a punt, how often does a punt get blocked? Once in a zillion years. Yeah. Never. And get, you know what? When do you need to block a punt? You need to block a punt when you're Michigan playing Michigan State and there's 18 seconds left. And, and the only way you can win is to block a punt. You um, you um I would never schedule a punt block unless it was a game situation where I was, like, down 18 points because it never works.
0: When you're the team who's winning, going for a punt block doesn't make much sense. It
1: is the, the ultimate, and and you don't need that. And same with trying to block a field goal. The number of times a field goal gets blocked from an outside rush, from a good – sometimes it gets blocked because the kick gets blocked. Um, the kick is low. The kick is low. And you got big – Big nose tackles that can reach their hands up. That's good. But trying to, like, speed block a kick. For every kick that gets blocked, doesn't it seem like there's three times the guy's offsides? Something like that. Like a, I mean, it literally, is not the risk-reward's not there. Bottom line, undisciplined, low-IQ football players making stupid mistakes, and then we just saw it just snowball. Well, I would argue the play that
0: cost them the most was on the last drive after the sack— when they knock the ball out of Baker's hands. Same thing. And that's just a, a totally avoidable play. You're just trying to punk a guy out for no good reason. And
1: the same and, thing,
0: yes. I, and I, it's, all, it's all a mental mistake. And this is, Fez, when you came on SOVAM with us the other day, and you and Scott were talking about the Raiders' money line, I said, for me, it's difficult to lay a big number on Raiders' money line because they are a stupid team. And they can lose to anybody on any given day, because their players are better than most teams, and I think in your power ratings, when you when you say, "Okay, this is the this is what their roster says," yes, it is a good roster. It is a poorly coached, disciplineless team, and that has to count for something. Exactly, like-
1: the coach spot on. The coach has to say, "God damn it, you guys, the, the, we're five and seven. We are not a team that can celebrate. We celebrate in the." locker room yeah we don't celebrate on the field when we're playing some shit rams team because we get a sack oh let's try to donk off the game and do everything humanly possible to get a flag thrown us even like when when crosby gets the sack he's like thumping his helmet which he kind of led a little bit with his helmet like why is he doing this like i know what the penalty wasn't on him right it was on another player yeah Yeah. but but the, the bottom line is this whole celebration on getting sacks shut the f up and just but get this back. wasn't even
0: a celebration. This was just—just just well, it was it was, it was bullying. And it's well, like uh, you know, it's yeah. We I we got you, and then just like punking him
1: out, like I'm trying to make him feel small. What is it's... wrong with today? I, I'm, I'm old guy. Get off my lawn. You know what? You know, like you score a touchdown, you flip the football to the ref, and you sprint to the sideline. Stop with all the celebration, having fun. We have fun after we, after we win the game. Then we can have fun. Then you can go talk to. Um, Fitzpatrick and, and and do the interview and 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 have a good old time or have a turkey leg on Thanksgiving. But there's all this fun during the game when you're especially when you're a bad team. Yeah, the Raiders and then a good, bad coaching. It's third and one. You're vulnerable now. If you punt, you could lose. And then like here comes the uninspired. Run, middle, you know, from a run formation. Never works. Never works.
0: I think this is a great example of, like, if you just looked at those two rosters going into last night's game, you said oh, the Raiders smashed this team. On one sideline, you have a good, respected coach. On the other sideline, you have a Dumbo coach. And I think it, it, it just shows the importance of coaching in the NFL. The Patriots, even right now, even in 2022, don't have a competitive roster. That's a bad football team. I agree with that. The reason why they're afloat is they've got a great head coach. Mm-hmm. And it, it's crazy how much – and there's there's plenty of examples of the opposite side of that. I think the Raiders are probably at the top of the heap of talented rosters with dummy coaching, and it just it doesn't work. Like, yeah, you, because you can't
1: when, win with those kinds of teams. When you have a dummy coach and he doesn't have accountability – for, you know, for the players and, you know, you can stay what you want about like the, the strict disciplinarians and like the Coughlin's of the world and the players mm-hmm. get sick of it, but you can't be loose and goose and just excuse players. They're late for meetings. Chronically, you know, it's just like, you know what? That's bad for the organization across the board, you know, things like that.
0: And I think you have to give credit to Sean McVeigh I mean, for, and you, I, I, there was a lot of people uh last night, like trying to downplay what Baker Mayfield did for, for some reason, like, I'm as big of a Baker Mayfield hater as there's been, but the idea that that guy could come in on 48 hours notice and go win a football game like he did, uh, you, if you're not impressed with that, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I don't, I don't know how you can't be impressed with what Baker Mayfield did, and that, again, is an example of where get a guy with the right coach, look what can happen. Has Baker Mayfield ever had a good coach before? No. No. Uh, in Carolina or in Cleveland, no, he had the no. coach of the year. He did have the coach of the year. Do you think he's a good coach?
1: Yeah, Kevin Stefanski, decent coach.
0: I, I coach. think Kevin Stefanski's an okay coach.
1: You know, actually, I'm. I'm, I'm it's not my area of expertise, really, in evaluating the coaching. But Stefanski, I think you can make the case. Well, I, that I'll Stefanski say this: he's a good coach. I think I, agree. Certain, I I think you can.
0: I'll say this: last night he played with the best coach he's ever played for.
1: I'll say this, and I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus. All right, but indirectly I am. Baker Mayfield. How much time did he spend studying the playbook? And how many how much more time do you think he spent this week than the the bottom ten study NFL quarterbacks in the league? I think he studied like nonstop. He had to have. You know? Oh I'm
0: sure. Like you know,
1: and 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 like literally there's some quarterbacks that like if they had been acquired, <laughs> probably not Josh uh Johnson. He, they, they, oh, was, I think Josh Johnson is he like would been, he would have been. I'm sure. I think Josh Johnson
0: study. understands playbooks before he even gets them. I, like, I, I think that's why he's always getting a, hired.
1: A, I'm sure that's the case. And there's like there's some players who are workers and some players who aren't. And I'm
0: sure. But what's funny is I don't normally think of Baker as like the guy who's going to outwork everybody. But I think. I but think I think in this situation, he this he probably like he, he's probably back against a wall. I mean, I, and again, this is just kind of my guess on it. But he he probably felt like this is my my last real shot well, at doing he's, something. He's off
1: the wall from, yeah. from from one quarter that's taken him off the wall because he's sing- and and when you look at too the guys he's throwing to, it's like oh that, well that guy was open and then they should get, you know when you take a look at the wide screen it's, it's triple coverage. There's three defenders and uh, around him he's still he's got to make the the accurate throw or it's intercepted literally over the middle. And of course you know NFL quarterbacks are supposed to make that throw and he and he made them. Uh,
0: sixty QBR. For Baker Mayfield last night, and that was throwing to Ben Skaronik and Tutu Atwell, while Derek Carr, and, he, and again, he's had the playbook for forty-eight hours. Derek Carr, who had Devonte Adams on his team, and it, it, he had a robust thirty-nine. Yeah, PBR I don't know. I don't know game.
1: much about this Ben Skaronik, nor will I attempt to spell his name. But I can tell you this: um, if you've got like Higby in your fantasy football league. Uh, you might want to drop him and get the Skaronic dude because he's going to be the man the rest of the way for the Rams. That's clear. All right,
0: let's move on from Thursday night football, and we've got some listener submissions. So, and and they kind of lead into some other topics that we want to talk about. Uh, someone was asking about your process, and once the books put up the numbers, are your side bets the early side bets you make based solely on your power ratings? How do you, where do you go from once the the lines are released? And at what point in the season do you fully
1: trust your power ratings? Uh, I never fully trust my power ratings. So because I'm never fully aware of all the, in, the injuries and the situations associated with them, um, it's true. On Sunday night, and this is a great great question. Sunday night, the lines come up, and I've got my power ratings. Bang. Um, I've made the adjustment. I've looked at the box scores as lickety-split as fast as I can, made my quick hand adjustments, and I look for big differentials. And that's a winning strategy. So if I see a big difference, I hit it. I play it. All right. Uh, the Lions are catching, you know, points against the Vikings. That's not right. All right. I, I I know the Vikings got outgamed by 200 yards. I know that this game should be. When I make my first power ratings, it's right around pick them, and the Lions are catching two. I'm going to sure. bet the Lions. Now, in the back of my my mind, I'm thinking, oh, it's a great spot for the Lions because they donked off the game in Minnesota. So they're going to. So the situation favors the Lions as well. Um, and then, some of course, some of the X's and O's people and the like are going to say, "Well, but the Vikings are a clutch team; they're nine and zero in close games. This is likely to be a close game. They can make a case for the Vikings, but it does, it's, a, it's irrelevant." The, Vic, the Detroit catching two and teased at plus two is such a good bet; you just got to make it. You worry about it later how good a bet it is, and because you know it, the number's just wrong. And typically, when the power rating number has has the game off, and the and the situation favors that team as well. It's very rare that it's not going to be a good bet. And then as the as the week goes on, then you start looking at things like like the Tennessee Titans is, are shredded on defense. They got a terrible injury report. You don't want the Titans this week because of the. But that's not because of my power ratings. That's just because of the um, you know digging deeper into all the situations. And and I'm not going to be able to do that on Sunday night or Monday morning when I'm making my initial bets. Okay, so an, a
0: a separate question that was asked from a listener. How do you get to totals? Like, I mean, obviously your power rankings give you a good feel for, for sides. What's your starting point for totals on games?
1: Um, you know, this is really simplistic, but this is what I do. So I, I, the NFL average on yards per play is 5.45. So I look at a team, what they what they gain, what they give up. I don't have it in front of me. But if a team was gaining 5.45 and giving up 5.45, they would be a zero. They would be a dead average team. So they expect that the average total would be like right around 44 and a half on their type of game. Um, The most extreme teams, uh, I think the Denver Broncos like are minus like 1.2. You know, like they mm-hmm. basically they gain and they give up like just around five yards per play or just under underneath it. Obviously, the Lions have to be probably on the opposite can, end. Lions are an over. Kansas City isn't over. Some teams change their stripes a little bit. The Bengals' offense got better. Mm-hmm. You know, their defense is still good, but their offense has gotten much better. Um, so you, you know, you could you could have a fundamental shift in teams. But um, yes, it's so like when Detroit and Minnesota are playing, that's an interesting game. Because both teams completely are over teams, and yet money has come in from 53 down to 52. And part of that is I, I never like playing division games in, in the second matchup. Um, in fact, that would be a query. Mackenzie, if, if teams play the second game in division, what can we query what their over-under is, how they do? I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. Second game, um, divisional game, rematch, uh, blindly playing the unders. How do we do? Divisional game, rematch, all right. Yes.
0: Yeah, so the second time they play uh, their division opponent, so but basically it's yards per play is the the baseline for how you you get to your totals. Yeah, and of
1: course those listening are like, whoa, you got to incorporate pace of play, and if that's certainly the case. Yeah, sure. teams that play fast are better overs than teams that play slow. You know, it's complicated, but as a starting point. If I have to have one stat go ahead and give me the yards per play for you know for and against to to determine you know a team's propensity for overs and unders
0: and this leads into another conversation that we wanted to have when you look at the board college or NFL you say it's best to look at the highest or lowest totals on the board
1: yeah just in general because it's more complicated like the odds maker when he's setting his lines and he's setting his quarters and his derivatives and his props and everything else it's a lot easier when the game's in a dome and the total's 44 and a half to for an NFL game and for college, more like 54 to set, you know, all the lines. It gets difficult when you have the extremes, when you have games that are really totaled high or low. Now putting up props on number of first downs, number of punts, um, uh, you know, longest touchdown, shortest touchdown, all those props become more complicated to price. And I'll use an example. Um, The Army Navy game, we've got, you know, a very historically low total in that game That is, you know, and and the same is really true for Iowa and Kentucky, which is at thirty one and a half, and we've got Army Navy at thirty two and a half. You don't see games totaled that low typically, and because of that, those are the first games I like. I'm licking my chops to play props on games like that because. normally you're going to be able to find some kind of value with those games because the odds makers just aren't going to get it right when they start pricing all the derivatives.
0: Since 2012, 54% unders in the second division game, 467 overs,
1: 541 unders. So I was correct. Sometimes, you know, it's interesting because sometimes we say, oh, we, we expect something, and then when we run the query, it doesn't do as well. But think how powerful that is. Simply playing the division rematch, you're you're cashing over 54%.
0: Yeah, fifty well fifty three point seven, so yes. not over, but right at
1: yeah. So and that goes back, and it shows you like that's a trend that makes sense to me. Like familiarity of your opponents, games important that second that second game, and it just should lend itself to a little bit of a tighter game, and that's enough that I, I don't want any part typically of playing overs. Although having said that, I'm perfectly fine playing an over in a game. Early midweek when I think the total is going to inflate on a game like that, sure. You know, and and, and pop it in. Yes. But you,
0: wouldn't you have thought the same about? Wouldn't you have thought money would come in on Minnesota Detroit over? Yes, I would. But it's been the opposite. It it has been. All right, let's talk about that Army Navy game. And you did something that you very rarely, if ever, do, and uh, this is something that you have admonished me. I mean, I think this when you first admonished me for it was probably five years ago. But tell me tell me about the Army-Navy game and why you felt like it was appropriate to tease the Army-Navy game this week.
1: All right. Well, I'm staring at this total at 32 and a half, all right? It's a preseason NFL total. So I'm thinking if ever there's a game that there isn't going to be a great deal of variance in, it's this Army-Navy game. I, I agree game. with that. And, you know, who should be favored? I actually thought Navy should be favored. So did the marketplace. Navy's come the favorite now. Fine. Um. And I'm not happy about the fact that some threes are popping up on Navy as well. So the question is, do I tease Army from two and a half up to eight and a half? Um, well, now that there's some threes popping up, no. But yesterday, there was two and a half. And there was a situation, friend of the show, Brad Powers, likes Illinois in the bowl game. I don't know who Illinois is playing. They're playing Mississippi State. Some Some SEC team. It doesn't, you know what, they could be playing Utah Valley State. Okay. I don't care. All I know is Brad Powers likes Illinois plus two. And I can't get Illinois plus two because the they, because this, the 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 screen is turning black. There's a steamorama. Everyone's betting Illinois, and it's clear Illinois is going to come a small favorite in Which the next in the next like few minutes. All right. And what's this? I see a book dealing Illinois plus two and a half, but it's minus one thirty. All right. Okay. Well,
0: screw that. Oh, perfect time.
1: Screw that. I'm not playing Illinois plus two and a half minus one thirty. But anyone who teases knows that the underlying vig associated with the game. Is not going to be taken into consideration by the software when you tease it, so boom! I can get Illinois, who I know is going to become the favorite within the next hour, plus eight and a half. Right, and and this teaser is even money. College teasers, six pointers, even money. So, do I want to bet Illinois? Essentially, plus eight and a half, minus two forty. Well, hell yeah, I want to. I mean, that's a great bet. I mean, like in terms of an alternative bet, which is really sure. the same thing. Well, I need something to tease it with. And it has to be a college game to get even money. So I'm like, all right, Army plus eight and a half. We'll go with that. So let's
0: talk about that because what what books have started to do with the NFL is teaser protection. You're rarely going to see a plus two and a half minus 130 in a an NFL game. Like, it's it, it's becoming more and more rare because, it, like, oftentimes they'll go for it. Once it gets to two and a half, like, minus 115, they're just going to go to three so people
1: won't tease it. When I agree with that when there's slow line moves occurring. However, okay. when all of a sudden it gets reported that, you know, key players are out for certain teams. Um, the Bengals are playing Kansas City. Oh, Chase is, is you know, looks good in practice. He's going to play, um, you know, something like that. It, 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 in that case, it would have only moved a point if Chase was not supposed to play. Gotcha. But 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 my, my, my point is if you've got a line move that goes all of a sudden injury-related from like two and a half to one and a half, sometimes these books, you know, they're at the, the headlines makers at lunch, and they just hit auto-move. And what is auto-move? Auto-move, and Pinnacle does this all the time, when a bet gets made, the computer just moves at $0.04, cents, $0.06 cents, based upon the amount of the bet and how— highly rated, the better is. Mm-hmm. So that basically, um, they put the, you know, the ship on autopilot, <laughs> the plane is fl- flying, and the computer just moves based on the action that's getting bet. And that works very well, except for you get popped a couple times on, on information news that you should be making a manual adjustment. And two, the computer's not smart enough to move the point spread. It just moves the VIG. And so it's not unusual in cases like that. You can see the vig go to like a plus two and a half, lay a dollar thirty. That certainly happened. I'm sure that's what happened, at um, at the one book that I saw Illinois at. That it was auto moving instead of someone like saying, "Oh, that's right. We can't let them. We can't let them tease two and a half up to eight and a half." And I took advantage of it. All right. Before
0: we get out of here, we always like to give a best bet. Uh, Fez, what do you got for a best bet this week?
1: All right. I'm going to give a best bet that's it's hard to find, but you can still get it. So Army Navy. I, I got to tell you, the military teams, when they play each other, the totals have gone under. And to the extent of like almost 80%, the market is as low as it's ever been on this game. And a lot of sharps have made the case, hey, you know what? If you played if you played all these games under, like the Air Force is playing the armies and the armies playing the navies, you won. But if you played under 32 and a half, you didn't win. All right? So the market has moved too far. They, they, they would argue, and I'm not going to disagree with that. But I tell you this. Army-Navy do not have – these teams don't have very many two-minute drives. They have a whole lot of six, seven, eight-minute drives, and they go for it on fourth down all the time as well. So uh, the first quarter, I got to tell you, I saw sevens, and I even saw a few seven-and-a-halves initially, but I think seven is is, as good as it should get, absent a dumb turnover – and these are not dumb teams, Army and Navy – you um you would expect that the first quarter score is going to be seven to nothing or nothing, nothing, and a small chance three-nothing. So under seven sure looks like you win or you push. Under seven, current number, I'm sorry. I it's true. I got minus one oh three. I got minus one ten. That's what happens when you're the originator. It doesn't matter. It's still a good bet. Under seven, minus a forty-five or less, and you can still get minus one thirty-five. At uh, Fanduel, yeah, that... no one, minus one thirty-five. Bet online. Bet online. Excuse me. So up to minus uh, under seven, minus one forty-five would still be a best bet. Yeah, for minus
0: one forty available at DraftKings right now. So. Yes.
1: Yeah, so I mean, it, it, it's it's still out there. You know, pulling back the curtain, it's hard for me. I, I'm amazed. I, I I just checked. I'm up one hundred twenty-two units for my clients. But I I, I got to be honest. I'd be up a lot more if I didn't bet, because then I could give my clients Army Navy under seven at Pinnacle was minus 103 this morning. Right. Under minus 103, I could say play under seven minus, you know, 110 at Bookmaker and play under, and by the way, Pinnacle has a minus 103 and pop that out to my clients. And that was the, that would be the widely available number at the time. DraftKings was minus 120. Um, But I gave it to my clients under seven minus 120 because I was was like, I know it's, it's like, I bet it. And so then it becomes minus 115. And then I know the second I give it out, it's going to start to, to, to cook immediately. And then the people say, well, Fez, why don't you wait for it to become more widely available? <laughs> you know why? Because freaking Allen Boston or somebody else is going to spot what I'm, I mean, it's, it's too obvious that the number's wrong. And I don't actually think it would, would have been Allen Boston because he'd be doing his college basketball thing or talking about how the country's going to hell. Um, but the, you, 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 you get, it. if someone else is going to take it out, I I'll, I'll just take it out first. Why not?
0: Yeah, yes, because I mean, they are all going to get taken out. All right. You that, like that bet? I do like that bet. Yeah, and you said these aren't dumb teams. I think we can agree, Navy is dumber than Army.
1: Oh, I you, you tell me why Navy is dumber than Army?
0: Because it's, you want because ev- you were from ev- the Army. Everyone yes. knows Fez. Everyone knows.
1: I don't know about that because I personally would you, rather. All you need to know is Navy dumber than Army. <laughs> I'm going to come over the top and say it seems less.
0: Yeah, who's more experienced, me or you? You are okay, with the we, army. Listen, you, you tell me about sports betting. I'll tell you who's smarter, army or <laughs> All right,
1: but personally, myself, <laughs> myself, I would rather be on an aircraft carrier heading to Hawaii than I would, you know, being like um, uh, fighting in Afghanistan. How would you feel about being in a
0: submarine for two
1: weeks? Um, not as
0: good. Exactly. Yeah, dumber.
1: Not as good. Do they have 12, Do they have twelve hour schedules on submarines? Is, is, is that true that they sleep like four hours and then they work eight? And I I,
0: I like, don't know. I've never been on a submarine. You know why? I was smart enough to join the army.
1: If you've never seen <laughs> Das Boot, it is it is a top twenty movie of all time. One of my favorite scenes is they're they're they're, they're going through the, the, the straits of Gibraltar and like and they get sunk. And they like wind up on the bottom of the of, of Gibraltar, and like it's 280 meters, and bolts are exploding. Oh yeah! And it looks like the whole thing is going to go like crunch like a tin can, and they can't get the thing to work. And finally, when they're running out of oxygen, it looks like they're starting somehow. They blow all the ballast, and maybe the sub's going to get off you know the bottom of the ocean, and eh, maybe not. And then all of a sudden, one of, one of the Germans yell, "She's rising!"
0: <laughs> and, and they
1: float to the top. Oh, yes. so they all lived. Yes, and they well for three. I mean, it it was Germany in World War II. Oh, so they no died after. Gonna, no one <laughs> was going to live, but they but they wound up, you know, getting to the top, and they and they just miraculously floated to the top at night, and and then the captain, it's like they're all at home celebrating our demise, and just steams full speed ahead, you know, on the top of the ocean. And that's one of the, the twenty best movies ever. It, because it, it sounds absurd. It's not absurd. It was remade. It was so good it was remade. Why did they run just silently float silent- to the
0: top? What do you mean? They, like they were sunk on the bottom of the ocean, two hundred eighty meters below. Yes. Why did they suddenly start to rise?
1: Because they. they I'm I'm not a physicist. Mackenzie would probably be, be better at this than McKenzie's I. Mackenzie's
0: also not a physicist, though. But he
1: went to Yale. Mackenzie, well, you went to Northwestern. It's wh- not like
0: you're a dumbo. Why
1: is it? Why is it? But, but, but it's it's kind of like you, you have a situation like a, a balloon is running out of oxygen, right? It's either going to rise or it's going to fall, and you've got like the density of the sub versus the density of the water. And if the, if the subhead is, is less dense, it is going—once it's, once it, once it's in motion upward, it's going to continue to keep going upward. Why would it not—you know, it's either going to go up or down. It's not going to stay at the same elevation. So if it starts—if if it's got enough um, buoyancy to start to get off the bottom, it has to go all the way to the top.
0: I just don't understand how it, how it suddenly found this buoyancy.
1: Because they blew all the ballast tanks at the mm. at, at once. All right. But then you said it looked like it wasn't going to work. The, yeah because it looked like the the, the coefficient of friction of uh, on the bottom of the ocean was such that it wasn't going to be able to start moving once you know I'll be honest one, I hate physics, this movie already you know once something an object <laughs> starts to move it's going to it's likely to continue to move to get it to start moving is the, is the most difficult spot anyone who saw airplane 75 where the plane was like on the bottom of the ocean and they levitated that up with like hot air balloons knows this an object in motion will stay in motion it might have been airplane 79
0: it doesn't matter. Yes. I'm against that movie Doss Boot. I don't I like believe, underwater movies to begin with. I believe Run
1: Silent, Run Deep was um, was like the remake. I, I could be wrong, but Red October, you saw Red October? I saw that, Hunt okay. for Red October. Okay, okay. Right. did you like that movie?
0: It's okay. I don't All like right. underwater movies.
1: I All don't. Right. All right, the... I make the case Das Boot is – Red October is a fine movie, and I would say Das Boot is twice as good. It incorporates the claustrophobic aspect of living on a sub and why the Navy sucks compared to the Army, and you'd enjoy that. So finally,
0: we come to the uh, the same conclusion. All right, here's another conclusion before we let you go. If you're not playing this college football bowl bash contest, you're a dummy. You're a dumbo. Free roll. Yeah, it's free to enter. Sides and totals. 20-pick men, 50-pick max on all the bowl games, best winning percentage wins. First place, $500 cash plus $500 pregame bulk dollars. How many minimum number of plays is what? 20. 20? Mm -hmm. Sides or totals. Second place, 250 cash and 250 bulk dollars. Third place, 250 bulk dollars. Fourth place, 200 bulk dollars. Fifth through 10th, 100 pregame bulk dollars. Go to pregame.com, click on contest, find the Bowl Bash contest. It's free to enter, and there is real doll hairs available for the victor.
1: You want this money. Everybody wants the money. And second prize is worth more than first prize in some ways because second prize, first prize is $500, and second prize is $250 plus $250 in bulk dollars. Mm-mm. No.
0: It is, but first place is 500 cash plus 500 bulk dollars. Oh, never mind. Yeah. Never mind. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so it's
1: worth. it. So really, first prize is a thousand dollars.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this is. It's too good to be true. To be honest, I you don't know, know. I'm gonna
1: do. I'm gonna do a little shout out here. Um, Thank you. I've been hoping you would shout me out at some point. So yeah. So so AJ Hoffman is an excellent <laughs> choice to be utilizing. What I love about what AJ is doing this this year is because he has the SOVAM, which was it's it's a very successful new show with him and Scott Seidenberg. It'd be more successful if he tweeted it, so I could read it. I know, it. I know, I know. But he never does. I so know. you know, so, so you got to you know what you can't. Don't go on your Twitter and try to find it. What you've got to subscribe to it. With, you subscribe your, to it on your podcast, podcast player. network. Yeah, it includes let's like, Stitcher, um, Spotify, Apple, Apple Spotify. wherever you wherever you get your podcasts. Me, just I just straight out
0: of Vegas AM.
1: I just go to Twitter If AJ tweets it. I listen to it, and if not, I don't because that's just how
0: I roll. Even though I have set it to subscribe on your phone, so you get every episode is on your phone. So,
1: if, so you open up that podcast so player. By example, I'm going to do that right now because he set this up for me. I'm opening up my podcast player, and what's this? And up comes Thursday, December 8th, straight out of Vegas. It's not December 8th. Oh, Friday, December 9th. There it is. It's there you. Magic. Oh, look
0: at that. It just populates every as soon as you open the app. Bingo, I'll listen to it. As... That's so much easier than going to Twitter and finding the link. Well, i have
1: link. to listen to it on my phone. I'm always at, at, at my office and working, and I'm never not working you okay. know? You know, with, with everything. So, so but where I'm going... the great
0: thing about podcast players is you can play it in the background on your phone and still use your phone like a normal phone.
1: Yes. That, can, that can be going on in the background. So but it's hard to have phone conversations, though.
0: It is, but you don't like talking on the phone. I don't you like texting. Text, text, text all that'll do is tell. Like if someone tries to call you, you just
1: text them. Say text me. But you know who's the worst with this? Poor Bernie Frado. I love Bernie. Bernie loves having phone conversations. Ken Thompson's that way. He loves having phone conversations. It's great for cementing relationships. But I like I Bernie like eighty eight percent of the time. You know, you're asking me like, can you be available for Friday night? It, it just text me. Um, if I call
0: someone, I've, there's like a problem that needs uh, to be resolved ex- immediately.
1: Ex- ex- exactly. And uh, but but where I'm going, well, reason AJ is such, in my opinion, is going to be a really is a really must guy to get for college basketball. I love the schedule for SOVAM in the middle of the night. These guys are are putting this up. So first thing, when you get up in the morning, I don't care if you're in Iceland or Hawaii. That SOVAM, well, maybe not Iceland, is going to be available for you to go ahead and listen. If you sleep in Iceland, it'll be available. Um, And what AJ does is typically he'll have a play from the overnight lines, and he's very good at beating the closing numbers. So if um, last night, Michigan... You know, Michigan minus three and a half. A minus four. Minus four was minus yeah. four available at post.
0: It was. Well, oh, really? no, it, it got to minus four and a half eventually. But yeah, minus four. There, there was fours juiced or four and a half.
1: Yes, and if you watched that game last night, you know, national anthem, Michigan wins. Yeah, you no, know, it, it, it was take a long. dunzo deal. So you know, getting at the numbers. So I love a handicapper that gets at the numbers early. Um, you know, I rarely do this because like people are like, ah, Fez is Fez is difficult. You know, like 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 as far as making recommendations and sometimes. He doesn't like some guys as much as other guys. And maybe that might be true. Maybe it's not so true. <laughs> you know, but I think like Nover, Nover's like 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 Stephen Nover and I got kind of got into it because I wouldn't recommend him to be a like proxy for the Westgate. And he didn't talk to me for like, I, what is it, like seven years now. But like he's an excellent choice as a handicapper. He, he has different savvy veteran, does his own work networks with a bunch of people in other sports. He would be an excellent choice to pick as a handicapper. Just don't get on his wrong side because, like, if you don't do something you say you're going to do for him, he won't talk to you for eight years. Well, there you go. But still, if you can make money, yes, go ahead and buy him.
0: Yes. Go get it. All right, that'll wrap <laughs> us up for the Week 14 Fezic Focus podcast. We appreciate you guys listening. Thanks for the support. Tell a friend. Uh, and if you haven't signed up for pregame.com, do it free $25 for new sign up so and that's you don't need a credit card don't need anything just sign up join the team and free $25 which will buy you a best bet from anyone at pregame.com all right thanks steve thanks mckenzie we will talk to you guys next week